Thank you for checking out the HR Like a Boss podcast. If it resonates with you, please consider leaving a rating and review, and better yet, subscribe and share with a friend. I've embarked on a journey to get to know amazingly awesome HR and business professionals. These conversations create the foundation for my book on what it takes to do HR Like a Boss. On today's episode, I'm joined by Chris Dunn. Chris is the CHRO at Kinetics, a dad, and a big-time basketball junkie. I know that because we went to a Cavs game together against his beloved Hawks. He also founded the HR Capitalist and Fistful of Talent and is the author of Nine Faces of HR. Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, John. Um, wow, like flashback to going to the Cavs game. Like we were, God, you had great seats. We were like seven or eight rows up. It was unbelievable. Thank you again for that. Yes. I think we had a little less gray hair back then. At least I know I did. Um, and LeBron, that yeah. was, that was, LeBron was something else. I remember in that game and that there was a lot, a lot of energy in the building uh, every single game. Unfortunately, we have the exact opposite now because um, our team isn't very good, but. Well, you, you got a title out of it and it was an unbelievable <laughs> title. And I think, uh, you know, I'm out of the Birmingham, Atlanta area. I'm a Hawks fan. We actually saw the, the Hawks that night when they were a 60 win team. And of course they just got dismantled. I think that night and also in the playoffs that year, just systematically dismantled by the LeBron led Cavs. So. Yeah, he's something else. And I think maybe for another podcast, we can talk about uh, the goat conversation. I think every title he gets closer to uh, that yeah. comparison with Michael Jordan. I think, I think it's fair and fitting. Yeah, I do as well. So for those that don't know you, Chris, maybe if you don't mind sharing a little bit about you and, and what you're working on currently. Yeah, so the elevator pitch is I'm a longtime HR pro, big companies early in my career, Fortune 500s, venture-backed firms, um, kind of in the middle part of my career, I guess, like 05 to uh, 2010. And then in 2010, I exited corporate America. I'm still the HR leader at a company called Kinetics, but I'm also an investor. So I'm one of two owners at Kinetics and we're an RPO recruiting firm. I had always enjoyed recruiting as much as anything in the HR stack. So I found a great partner, lady by the name of Shannon Russo. And I've been like, I've been a part of building that company over the last decade. It's been fun. It's been fun to really dig into recruiting. I also have gotten a chance to do some really cool stuff by building a recruitment marketing practice. I also have created a, a leadership series called the Boss Leadership Series Manager Training. So I get to do a lot of things. I'm just incredibly blessed. Yeah, good for you. Fantastic. Well, I usually get things kicked off. And, and, and I know for, for us, um, one of the cool things about you writing your book, uh, you came and presented to uh, our crew and uh, about 100 plus people on the nine faces of HR. And, and frankly, uh, that was a motivation to think, you know, I, I've seen Chris present, which was the, the genesis of the HR like a boss concept. And with some inspiration and, and leadership, as well as uh, kind of a, a, a push in the back, I'll say it, by a couple friends, here I am uh, talking to great people about content that uh, hopefully will resonate with the HR community. And in, in doing that, I'd like to start with the, the very first kind of high-level strategic question of having practiced what you, what you have in HR and then your investment and other things and talking with great HR leaders, how would you describe the purpose of human resources? Well, that seems like a loaded question these days, John. So I'll try not to stub my toe. You know, I, I, think, I think great HR and really the purpose of HR 
is you're going to have like one foot on both sides of the fence. You have to help the business get great results. But while you do that, you have to do it in a way that's incredibly people friendly and progressive. And you've got to help individuals get results in your company as well. And I think if you if you lose sight of either one of those those areas, helping individuals get results and also helping the company get great results, if you, if you get out of balance on those two things, I think that's where people get into trouble. I also think that's where HR pros become average. So I think the purpose of HR is really to make sure that you're doing both those things, helping a company get great results and helping individuals who's ever in front of you on the given day get great results and helping them achieve their goals. So what do you think gets in the way? What's that barrier? If you use the word balance, I try to think of the word harmony. And I also kind of talk through that you're, you're in that aisle between the employer and the employees. So what, what, what are the barriers, again, the way of, of HR being able to achieve that purpose, that balance? Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot there, right? I, I think I'll use the loaded word these days. I think what gets in the way is bias. I think bias for I've got to be all about the company and I've the company first, last, and always. You know, there's a bias. If you have a worldview that says that, that's problematic. If you have a bias where you forget about the company and you just, you know, your empathy for the employees that you're trying to help overrun you, um, that can be harmful as well. So I think what gets in the way is just a, a bias for one or the other and not understanding that you really don't have a choice. If you want to be a great HR pro, you've got to shoot it right down the middle. And it's possible. It's just more art than it is science. And it takes a lot of work. And there's going to be good days and bad days. You know, I've got a, you know, I know you've got kids. I've got a son in college and in, in an engineering program. And what I would tell you, and I think this applies to HR, is he's getting like, you know, he's like in like all these advanced calculus courses and he's feeling average. And what I always tell him, and there's a lot of different ways to say this, I always tell him, hey, you know what? Like what you don't understand is that you're in the big bad world now and there are wins and losses every day when you're in the professional realm, right? There's W's and there's L's. Um, I think the kids like to say L's were taken, right? And I think you just have to stay in balance to say that in any given day, and certainly in any given week, there are wins and losses, W's and L's. You have to remain like really balanced about it. What I told him the other night, you'll laugh at this, um, John, is I said, by the way, I sent him like a, a link to some research. And the average record of a wild card team in the major, major League Baseball playoffs is like 90 and 72. And I was like, that's it like nine wins, seven losses, playoff team. Another way to put that is, right, the old Rod Carew thing. Um, you know, you hit two, 240 in the major leagues, batting average, you're a bomb, you hit 300, you're in the Hall of Fame. So you fail seven out of 10 times and you're in the Hall of Fame. So I think the other thing, John, I would say is that people, we'll probably talk about this a little bit. I think HR people limit themselves a little bit they don't always have their eye on what's next enough because they're really comfortable like in a certain area that they may feel is their strongest area, their strongest specialty. And with that, they're not consistently stretching themselves to get better and be involved in things where they can learn. 
Yeah, no, and that's precisely right. It's, it's funny you mentioned that. I was just talking to somebody earlier today and they, they talked about their younger self and they suggested maybe, maybe good advice to your son and, and those listening is that a lot of times you feel like you have to prove yourself with you know showing off your, your knowledge or expertise, but you don't really have enough experience. So a little dose of humility and, and listening, right? Just listening, understanding, empathy, learning. Right. And then in, in that people observe that people understand that you're not you're not the young hot shot trying to make an impression and talk over everybody you're just trying to observe and see what's going on and do your job every day kind of one step at a time so right sound advice Absolutely. so is there is there a suggestion you could have to to help people remove or, or attack that uh, that bias barrier um things that that uh, we, we could do to, to kind of help help them see that and, and achieve the things they're trying to get focused in hr yeah, you know, what I would say, John, is the most successful HR people I know really view their careers like a portfolio. So if you think about the world of HR that we all live in, you know, at the base level, there's this level of transactions, there's this level of stuff that has to happen to make the buses of a company run on time. I think the best HR people I know are the folks who are career minded enough. So there is a selfish angle to this. Um, they're career-minded enough to always have projects like going. They're trying to develop their portfolio of things that they've done. And when they develop that portfolio, when they view the world, I would tell you in a way that says, okay, what's next for me? What am I working on that, that can add value? When you do that and you do that in the right way, like, you know, it's the world of HR, right? You can have a project that can have unbelievable impact for the company, but at the same time you're doing that, it should have unbelievable impact for the employees. For example, if you're rolling out a new performance strategy, and notice I didn't say performance review, I said strategy because it's holistic, that should help the company get great results. That should also help the majority of employees get better feedback from the people they rely on. So I think one of the ways that you know, you can remove that bias is to only stretch yourself and to say, hey, I got to have two or three things in my portfolio that are going to be advantageous for me because I built something. And if you do that in the right way, I think you can find both sides of that fence perfectly. I think, you know, the old adage is that, you know, well, I mean, it's not an old adage. People view it different ways, right? Cynics believe that HR people work for the company. Um, people who are more romantic about the craft do it for the employees, or they say that's what it's all about. The reality is it's both sides. And if you chase the right things for your career, I think you just naturally find that you can deliver on both those things. Do you think to that point, Chris, are there, you've mentioned performance strategies that we could, we could put in place. Are there easy wins, simple places that, that an HR person can, can play that middle to say, hey, if I, if I need to try to do something and add it to my portfolio of success beyond performance, which I think is a profound one, are there, yeah. are there one or two others you could think of that may fall into that? Well, you know, it's like a, a great thing that I've done a lot of work, work on at Kinetics that I think there, I, I'm sure there's many. And I think based, I think somebody should always, I think, really think about what they're best at and what they're most interested in. So I think some of this follows passion, right? So someone, for example, might dig in on the benefit side, which doesn't interest me at all. Somebody might go hard on benefits. They might go hard on compensation. 
in a way that could have value for both those parties. One of the things that would be on my mind for the average HR manager and up is to think about, hey, my managers of people really aren't where they need to be. So what can I do in a quick lunch and learn? What can I do from a training perspective? Not to spend thousands of dollars on an outside provider, but what can I do based on what I know is important to make those managers better? And if you make the managers better, you get better performance, not to kind of blend those worlds together. You get better performance for the company if the managers can have the most critical conversations in a more employee-friendly, results-oriented way that maximizes the employee. And then, of course, the employee wins, too, because now, all of a sudden, they've got a more progressive manager that like, actually seems like they get it. Seems pretty simple, because I know the, the, the logic behind it and the thing that you read as to why people leave a company is they, they don't get along or don't like their manager, right? Absolutely. Yeah. HR, unfortunately, is brought into that at, oh, you don't like your manager, so now you're going to quit. We're going to do an exit interview, or we have to let you go for some performance. Let's get at the root cause of the issue is how, how's that manager doing serving you as an employee and ultimately getting results for the company? So it's, it's not simple. It's, it said, sounds simple when you say it out loud, but when you're dealing with people and some of those managers may not be equipped to, to provide performance-related feedback or don't, can't, can't provide constructive yeah. criticism or conversation in a way. So it comes across as belittling or micromanaging or whatever the case might be. And then there you go. I'm starting to look on a job board and I'm out of here and you might lose a great employee because of you know, an ineffective manager. Yeah, and all, all you're doing, I, I just did a, a speaking engagement earlier today um, online, of course, um, because the math, the whole masked up thing, even if you can get it, is so wild and so ineffective. So it's it's better just to do it this way. I think, you know, so we were talking about manager skills and, you know, to your point, you know, those engagements go, go horribly wrong. They're bad for the employee. That's bad for the company. I think managers have their own cultural gravity, right? We talk a lot about culture, but if you and I are both effective managers working for the same company, unless we interact a lot, we probably have different ways of doing it and that's okay. You know, we just want to have some overlap, right? In terms of the way we view the world, you can get to it differently. I can get to it a different way. The right HR person gives us kind of, if we're not, if we don't have a lot of experience for more junior, the right HR person is there to say, let me give you some ideas. And then I want you to go be the authentic, transparent you within reason and deliver in the framework of this really simple conversation. So you're trying to migrate like, you know, managers that aren't very good to being okay. And you're trying to migrate the okay managers to actually be pretty good just with a few simple lightweight tools. Yeah, that's really great. Yeah, performance, work on those managers. Those, those are two critical ways of simple wins to add as you use the word portfolio. And in, this question may resonate with you a little bit more now that you have a son that's kind of trying to figure out the, the real world and kind of face with those wins and losses. I know you gave some counsel on that, but if you could go back to a, a younger Chris Dunday, right when you were entering into your 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 your, your career in HR and what you're doing now, what, what advice would you give that young man then knowing what you know now? Yeah, this is a great question. I, I would say like for me individually, I would have I would have either started my own company or found the partner earlier in my career because I, I have a little bit of an entrepreneurial vein. So for me individually, I would go back to myself and say, get on your own earlier 
um, probably in your early 30s rather than your early 40s. That would have been the change for me. I think, you know, for my son and for anybody else, the, the generic advice I would give is do your research and it's more important that you connect with the right person that's really focused on your growth. You may think, and a lot of young people think, I've got to go work for Google. I've got to go work for Microsoft. I've got to go work for these tech companies. It's really more about the people you work with early and finding people that are uniquely invested in your development, because that's really what is the rocket ship for your career. You know, you could go to a great company and be with... Uh, with somebody that really doesn't care. And the, the result of that is you're probably still going to be great, but it's going to take you longer to get there versus somebody that's really focused on your development. And I think is giving enough to develop you. And when you're ready, maybe earlier than you are ready, put you out in front of people to kind of accelerate your growth and kind of stretch you and challenge you. That's the type of person you want to look for. Now, is that hard to find? Yes. Do you have perfect information on that during an interview process? No. But if you're mindful, if you have three or four options about who you can go work for, and you ask a couple simple questions in the interview process, my gut tells me you can tell me who the top half of the four like managers is and who the bottom half like is. And even eliminating that gets you out of like chasing brand and chasing image to understand what's most important. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because it reminds me when I, I look back when I was first starting out my career, I looked for people that I wanted my career to look like that were further point. along than me. Absolutely. And then and then found people in that that personality-wise we fit, and then they had a vested interest, were interested in trying to help me out. That was just the kind of simple way. And now I look back to say the few mentors I have in my life that are still a part of, of me and, and my success. Um, what they look like. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, that's the key. I like how you put it. You want to find people who have the career that you want to the extent you know that at an early stage in your life. And, you know, part of this is networking too, right? So the other thing I would give the younger version of myself, um, God, I won't even date myself to talk about how this worked, but, you know, it's networking, right? It's like having some type of early career brand about what you want to do and then not being afraid to network. A great way to do that. Like I never turned down like a student or an early career person that says, Hey, I love what you've done. I'd like, if you have 15 minutes, I'd like to connect and ask you some questions. I never turn a young person down now. Well, I turn the person down. That's like my age or John's age. I might only not because I'm a bad person, but only because it's usually right after I've accepted a LinkedIn invite from them and they're trying to sell me something. I hear you. I hear you. Keep that, keep that in mind for anybody watching how to sell to Chris Dunn. Don't, don't like, don't like or connect on LinkedIn and follow up with a phone call. So. Yeah. Like get to me before you connect on LinkedIn. That's just like find my email address and email. I mean, I'm not hard to find. So, so the show's called HR like a boss. The book will be, Coin the same, hopefully sometime in 2021, we'll get all that uh, ready to roll. And I know you have had a great influence on many people in HR, have an awesome career, invested in it and, and write about it constantly. And I know you do a training which has the word boss in it. So I think you might be as, uh, as 
as knowledgeable and skilled and prepared to answer this question of how would you describe someone that does HR like a boss? You know, it's a great question. I thought about it before, before I got on our, on our session. I think um, HR like a boss, you know, somebody that's doing HR like a boss is someone who is trusted and sought out by many different people of different career levels, different expertise, different worldviews um, inside your company. So I think you know you're doing HR like a boss. I'm, you don't have to do HR like a boss my way or John's way, but I think you know that you're doing it right when people from all walks of life, all functional areas, everything reach out to you for your counsel. And counsel is a strong word, but they trust you enough to reach out and get your take on something. And John, the other thing I'll give you, take it all the way back to how I kind of like started this with you. I think you know you're really doing HR like a boss when employees at the ground level seek you out to ask you quick questions. It doesn't have to be like super formal, but also managers and up seek you out for your counsel on for, for a situation they're dealing with before something becomes bad. And if you go all the way back to the way I, I kind of described great HR pros, it's you've got a foot in both camps and you're comfortable in that space and you can live like that. There's a lot of different ways to get there, but you know you're doing it like a boss when entry-level employees seek you out because they've had exposure to you and they trust you and manager, directors, VPs, executives also seek you out. If you're getting that from both sides, whatever you're doing, keep doing it because you're doing HR like a boss. That's awesome. Yeah, you talked about that in the beginning, the balance between the employee and the employer. Yeah, we, we talked also too a little bit about, as a quick recap, you, you used the word portfolio, which I really liked. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a record of the successes you've had. We know we're gonna make mistakes, we're gonna strike out, we're gonna lose games, but we continue to learn from those experiences. You mentioned kind of performance management strategies. Let's focus on the manager. As, as a younger Chris Dunn, maybe that entrepreneurial spirit would have, would have come out sooner and we would have networked in a, in a different way to get to know as many people as possible. So Chris, you're awesome. I appreciate you being on the show. Thank you for checking out the HR Like a Boss podcast. If it resonates with you, please consider leaving a rating and review and better yet, subscribe and share with a friend. Until next time, let's continue to aspire to do amazingly awesome HR.